Welcome to The Inevitable. This is Motor Trends' new podcast about the future of the automobile. I am Johnny Lieberman, the Senior Features Editor at Motor Trend, and I am joined every week by my co-host, Mr. Ed Lowe. That's me. I'm the Head of Editorial for Motor Trend, and boy, do we have an amazing list of guests that we're going to be chatting with. We've got the godfather of the environmental movement, Ed Bagley Jr. Derek Jenkins, a whole bunch of actors, celebrities, car-crazy folks, people from in and outside the industry. Industry. Can't wait for you to join us. We're talking about the future of the car. This means everything from electrified vehicles to cars that drive themselves. Come check us out. We're on podcastone.com or anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. We're also on motortrend.com and youtube.com slash motortrend. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. This week we bring our good friend Alistair Weaver from Edmonds back on. But before we get started, here's a word from Geico. Do you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know it's easy? Bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, here with Bill Goldberg. How are you? I'm doing great, my friend. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, how's the weather out there? Pouring cement at the Big Gold Garage? Well, fortunately, all the cement's been poured uh, over the past week since we've spoken. Uh, it has had a chance of 50% or more every single day rain-wise, but we've only gotten it once. So, so it's drying. <laughs> Yeah, well, dry-ish. Dry. We're still we're still dodging, right? But hey, yeah, uh, we've been we've been good, man. And and actually, the day that it rained, the guys were doing all interior wiring, so they were still able to work. So we're good, man. We're right on track. I, I think eleven days from now, my weights arrive. So I'm praying to God. I've become the temporary GC at the project. So yeah, well, I mean, it's it's right out there, so might as well. You're going to stand on your porch sipping a cup of coffee looking at it anyway. You might as well go out there. Either go out there and contribute or cause a fuss. Either way, you're going out there, right? Speaking of contributing, I told you off air that uh, the second most important thing for the garage arrived today, and it was the toilets. And so... We are we are one more step ahead towards completion. To to being able to live in there just in case. Uh, well, I mean, I do have two hundred acres. I could just poo outside or something. But I, <laughs> I'd rather, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, Alistair Weaver back on the show. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I, I was just hoping that one day I'll have a garage big enough that it needs its own toilet, right? <laughs> yeah, more than one. Yeah, it's yeah. going to have several several bathrooms, upstairs, downstairs. Bathroom. Yeah, there's multiple levels of bathrooms. There's more bathrooms in that place than in my in my my house, so uh, getting there. Um, I bet there's a lot more wiring, too. I've never seen so many wires in my entire life, for God's sake. 16 cameras and speakers and this and that and cad five and it, 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 i'm learning i'm learning way more than i ever wanted to know about home construction monstrosity construction whatever you want to call it yeah right because this started off as a garage and you're basically building a house at this point oh yeah 
I'm right. building a house and a sound studio and a weight. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's got a kitchen, living room, gym, garage. It's 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 a house. You're building a it's, house. It, it's a house. Yeah. The 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 funny memes that pop up where you're like, and you see like the blueprint of the house, and it's like the little tiny living room and the big giant garage. <laughs> it's like that's literally what you built. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so uh, as you know, we were coming uh, coming off of Monterey Car Week. Uh, we'll have some more updates on that. It'll just keep flowing out there. Um, uh, we had the the interview with Gordon Murray last week. Uh, you guys seem to really enjoy that, and thank you for all the kind words about that interview. Just a fascinating guy. Uh, just sit down with Gordon Murray for a while and just go through, you know. Uh, kind of what it took between, you know, in the last 30 years of going from McLaren F1 to, you know, GMA T50 and T33. Uh, uh, I really enjoyed talking with him. And uh, um, I'm sure, Alistair, you've had conversations with Gordon Murray. Yeah. And when you, when you talk about McLaren F1, of course, it all began actually in Formula One. Before, yeah. I mean, I guess you're talking about the road car, but when you go back to the early early 80s and the carbon fiber monocoques and everything else, I mean, what an awesome career. It's so I, much fun. Listen, even a little tidbit. Go back and listen to it. But I was like, but now you got to do your fan car. I was like, the T50. It's the fan car in the back. And he's like, oh, no, we just did it differently. He goes, we use fans on the on the McLaren F1. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, a lot of the three-seat thing and the other technology sort of overshadowed the fact that we have fans on that car that do kind of the same thing. I was like, what? I didn't even know that. He's like, yeah, not many people know it. You have to really kind of dig around on the car to see it. I was like, there was the fan car. He did it with the, with the F1. And uh, uh, yeah, didn't know. Just a fascinating, fascinating conversation. Um, so, uh, Alistair, what have you been getting into recently? Like, we talked a bit about some of the cars you guys have ordered that are starting to arrive. I think you're—I don't know if you sold your your GT500 yet, but that was on the docket, making way for Corvette Z06 and Lucid and and all kinds of things. So, uh, come on, man, we've read the notes. He got his Lucid. I want to hear about it. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Did they fix the fix the little issues? The, a lot of issues. What's up? So, yeah, so to go back a step, if people don't don't remember that we we had a we did a test of a Lucid a few months back now where we uncovered a huge amount of build quality problems, which we then went on and discussed with Lucid and everything else. But our car, our long term test car, which we were buying for 140 grand, was actually on its way from Texas to California on a on a truck or whatever. And this thing never arrived. And time went on and conversations went on. And basically, Lucid decided, I, I'm not saying it's just off the back of our video, but our video and some other stuff that was going down. And they took our car away and came back to us and said, we're just not happy with it. So we're not delivering it. And then it was like, so you can now either special order a new one and wait six months, or we've got these couple of cars that are now recent build and we're a lot more comfortable with. Do you want one of these? So he said, well, we don't want to wait six months. So we changed the color. I can't remember what we're having originally, but we've now got this sort of dark gray brown color. And, um, and it duly arrived. So we now have it. Um, I'm actually taking it home with me tonight. And it's a lot better. I mean, it's... Um, what spec did you guys order? So we've got the Grand Touring. The car we originally tested was the uh, Dream, the Air Dream Edition, which was like the launch one. Okay. Uh, this is the... This is the Grand Touring, so it's still over 140 grand. And 
and it's all 800 horsepower or whatever but it's the build quality which is like the big thing that everybody was looking at is better but not great and it will be interesting over the course of a, a the next year and twenty thousand miles or whatever to see how it evolves i mean there's a lot of things about it are fantastic we talked about this before the car is fundamentally terrific they just got to build it properly and that's the that's the challenge for any startup and it's exactly the journey that tesla went on and edmund bought teslas in the early days including an early model three and they were pretty lousy and then they got better and better mm-hmm. and you know lucid's on that painful journey at the moment but if you compare the build quality of our lucid with the build quality of our rivian which we also own the Rivian is significantly ahead of Lucid in terms of how they're screwing these things together. It's just little things, panel gaps, you know, like a super inconsistent around the trunk, um, around the door openings and things like that. But, you know, there's so much to like about this car and it'll be really interesting to see how, you know, how it evolves over the year. And, you know, they are making strides. I noticed the other day they just hired a guy from Apple to take over a lot of their infotainment and software issues because they've been you know they've been struggling to get all the software to be reliable so you know they they're on that kind of steep painful growth curve so yeah. taking it into consideration um with the quality of the car that you first got and then this one and their need to capture still the genie in the bottle which was you know all the hype around their car is this the right time for it to come out yeah, I think, I mean, they got so much hype early on about, you know, some of the engineering and the technology. And that really didn't take into account what this thing was going to be like when it was delivered. Um, the challenge for everybody, and I know McLaren went through this with the MP12C um, and others, is that you've like got to get, unless you've got ridiculous amounts of funding, you've got to get something into the market to earn some money. Mm-hmm. And you've got to kind of satisfy the shareholders and get the IPO going and everything else. So, these things always tend to come to market too early. And then you get a bunch of early adopters racing, buy them, and then maybe forgive a bunch of the foibles because they just want the shiny new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the market evolves, I mean, like Tesla got away with it to a large extent because they were the, really the only game in town. You know, whereas now you can buy a Taycan or a Ford or whatever, which is beautifully built, you know, mm-hmm. because they've just got so much experience of building cars. And, and I guess that's a challenge for a brand like Lucy that it looks really cool. There's some great stuff. It's really efficient. There's so much to like about it, but they've got to they've got to build it right. Where are they building it right? Because you, you mentioned Rivian, and we we've got a couple of look at, at LA Auto Show last year. We must have walked around, saw six EV companies that I've never even heard of, and they're all coming out. And now there's Vinspeed and Mullen and all these other brands, but there's a few that are standing out, right? Rivian, Lucid, Tesla, maybe Fisker. Fisker's strategy was build it with Magna, right? I believe it's Magna is the company. This yeah. is a company that builds a lot of cars. Maybe they do the G-Wagon and a couple of other things. So Fisker's, Fisker's plan was, well, why don't we just outsource this initially to a company that knows how to build cars and we'll build our company around that. Rivian was like, let's build it on our own and and can we build something of quality on our own? What was Lucid's strategy? Yeah, I mean, Lucid is going down the the Tesla um, Tesla route of let's build our own factory, and they have gone down in down in Arizona. I mean, I spoke to Henry Fisker about that model, and also the the thing is with the Fisker, the Fisker is like forty fifty grand, not um, you know not one hundred and fifty. And the argument was uh, Henrik's argument was 
the the actual savings in doing it yourself are there, but not so prodigious that it makes a, a you know, that, that it kills the business model. And if you can go to Magna or somebody like that, and also Fisker kind of bought something which already existed to a certain extent, and then also kind of bought a license that went with it and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, in theory, the Fisker should be great because it's built by the people who do the, you know, GLB and G-Wagon and all sorts of things. I think they built some BMWs as well. So, you know, that it seems like a sensible route, but mm-hmm. obviously Lucid and Fisker and everybody else, I guess, when you look at the value of a company, maybe they, maybe they see more value in having their own facilities and everything else. But it's a, it's a long, hard struggle to build cars. If you're building a car from scratch, why do you think Rivian is a little ahead on the quality issues than Lucid? How, how did Rivian, I don't know. Money? Is it is it money? Did they get lucky? Did maybe there's one or two key people over there that are all stars and you know hard to find? You know, like what do you feel like is the difference between? And, and I don't know how much sort of peeking behind the curtain you've seen at, at Rivian and Lucid, but what are your thoughts on the difference between Rivian and Lucid as far as quality? I mean, I should say the Rivian that we have um, isn't perfect. Uh, you know, little things like you really have to slam the doors to shut, which, you know, we took it off on a, on a family weekend and it was driving my wife nuts because <laughs> every time you shut the door, you've got to open it again and slam it properly. And there's little things like that which sound really simple, but when you're living with a car, really piss you off. Yeah. Um, and the Lucid has the automatic door closers. And on our test car back in back about a few months ago, they wouldn't. The automatic door closers on what the left rear wasn't working properly. So, <laughs> so they tried to solve the issue, but then couldn't do it because the it, motor didn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So 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 I mean, I think it's probably a combination of all the things that you're saying, Matt, and also at what point in the development cycle they actually released it to the public. You know, the, the, the hard thing with these companies is you almost need to use your early adopters as guinea pigs, as yeah. extra test vehicles, get them out there. Um, but, I mean, I saw today that Ford GM and Rivian have all just done a recall this morning. So there's, you know, that they're, they're, they're not immune from that sort of stuff. I mean, overall, the Rivian feels better screwed together. Um, it's not perfect, but, you know, it's a truck uh, or now an SUV, I suppose. So it's a slightly different proposition to a lux- luxury sedan. Maybe that helps a little bit. I'm not a, I'm not a build en- engineer. But yeah, I mean, Lucid, I think will, will get there, but it's just a, a you know a period of kind of an evolution and time. And you, if you're an early customer, you have to accept a bit of pain that goes with it. Well, as long as the cool, as long as its cool attributes are there to override the pain. Yeah, exactly. And and a lot of people just want that, you know, super cool thing. And I guess maybe it's like you know, I, I love watches, and I have a a wind-up watch which doesn't tell the time as well as my, you know, I have a Fitbit on one wrist and I have a <laughs> kind of like mechanical watch on the other, which is effectively my jewellery, and one tells the time really well and one doesn't, but I love the one that doesn't. <laughs> right. Yeah, so maybe right. maybe there's something in well, there, there. I don't go. know. That's that's a perfect analogy. You basically just told everybody to buy two cars. <laughs> Somebody said on YouTube, I got a, I got a YouTube comment, it's like, why has this asshole got two watches? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say that like they were American? Yeah, what's what's yeah. with that? <laughs> yeah, they may have not. Yeah, yeah, that They've, may be terrible prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, listen, I, we're rooting for them for them all. Like, I'm 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 definitely curious to see what Fisker is doing. We were walking around Monterey, and, and Adam and I stopped for a minute, and we're peeking in the Fisker. And we're like, 
you know, it looks cool and I kind of like what they're doing and the price point and the size of the vehicle, like the recipe there seems to be good enough to 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 turn it into something successful. Like I know the Lucid's cool because it's fast as hell and it's got a crazy range and it looks like RoboCop's helmet. But And it's big. Yeah, and it's big. But like you said, it's $150,000, right? You know, and Fisker's going, okay, but we do want to sell cars. We want to make EVs available to people. So why don't we try to get something around $49,000? When are they coming to the market with theirs? This is next year. We've actually got one on order, but I think it'll be next year now. But but the pre-orders I mean, bit, are sold out. I, yeah, we, the pre-orders are sold out. We ordered one, but it, we got a, we got a pre-order in. But it, it's I'm a bit cynical about it, to be honest. I mean, they've got 350 people in Manhattan Beach, which is near where I live. Which is not the if I was starting a car company, I wouldn't start it in in South Bay of LA. <laughs> yeah, even even just the cost of coffee. Um, it, it, it's also just you know I look look the the Mustang Mach E and I I. Uh, I'm potentially looking at replacing my Tesla Model Three with a Mustang at the moment, but they, you know, the price of them has just shot up by up to eight grand. Yeah, between 2022 and 2023 model year, and you know the the F150 Lightning shot up in price. Tesla's gone up. Everything, every every EV has gone up pretty right. pretty dramatically, and that's not people just trying to, you know, make outrageous profits. That's just because the whole supply chain is 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 squeezing everybody, and and so it's um. It, it it's I just don't see how the Fisker works at that price, but you know who knows. We'll we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's funny you mentioned the price increases of all these vehicles, especially all the EVs. The price increases, and we knew it was coming. But how just shitty unlucky was Rivian to be the first to announce the price increase, and then people just totally shit on them, and they had to backtrack. And then when the when that died down, everyone's like, "By the way, we're raising prices too," and then nobody cared. Everyone's like, "Oh well." I guess that's going to be what it's going to be. But they kind of learned their lesson on the timing and stuff because Rivian's like, everyone's going to have to pay more. And everyone's like, I don't yeah, want to Yeah, but do they that. also paid it. They also, <laughs> Rivian handled it really badly because not only did they say, like Ford said, basically, if you have a 2022 on order, yeah. you're okay. Yeah. What Rivian said was, you've had your car on order for two years and now it's going to cost you 20% more. Sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm just saying, know, so of they, course, they, their, their rollout was bad, but every other car company is going, oh, let's not yeah. do that. By the but way, get our communications really guys on the them. phone. It wasn't hard. I don't think any of them were going to do that in the beginning. But I mean, <laughs> that, that was absolutely horrible. <laughs> yeah, they had a, they had a back. But then on also that. this the whole EV tax EV tax credit thing as well. I think is really potentially screwing this up as well because if if the objective if the objective was to get people to adopt to EVs, I think it's hugely counterproductive. The whole thing feels like. You know, a piece of protectionism designed to protect the American industry, which, you know, one level you can say, well, that's a, that, that's okay, but then, but then actually, it's discouraging EV use, and if EV prices are going up anyway, and then you take people's tax credits away, then suddenly people are going to go back to back back to gas cars, and it's also unbelievably complex. We spent a week. I, I just with, read a goddamn tax credit thing, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what what's going on here. Well, we have like a guy on my team who's a, who's a consumer, like writes all the consumer tips and advice stuff. And it took him like several days to wrap his head around it. And then somebody else on the team tried to read the legislation. 
and it's it's all this and then you're trying to get so at the moment if you get a car but it's delivered by December the 31st then you still get the tax credit so there's going to be a lot of panicky people I, so in I December saw, I saw that but then it was also like this all goes into effect April 6th with or I'm sorry August 6th with all, which already ha- or the 16th or something which already happened and I'm like so I'm trying to figure this out because uh yes I'm I guess it's a little easier to figure out if if you have an order in, like you said, for a Fisker and it's going to be delivered in a year, right? Or a Rivian's going to be yeah. delivered in a year from now. There's there's the questions of of what if you have yeah, an that- order in for the past year and a half and it's not going to be delivered for another year? What if you do have an order in, you're going to get delivered this year, you know, and 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 then I but guess also the- what what's an order, Matt? Because at the moment uh, that like the hundred bucks I've got against a Fisker isn't an order. Yeah. So okay. an order but- is like a proper legal contract. So I think like Rivian was playing this game where they were sending you a document to sign that then it became a contract and everybody it's, it's a, I just think it's, I mean, it was thrown together. Uh, I mean, again, the politics of his all, it was obviously thrown together with a bunch of compromises at high speed and it just is causing chaos. It is causing chaos. And, and you're right. What is, is the payment, is the commitment of money qualify as an order? Like, this is a legal question now, right? Now we got to talk to a lawyer and go, well, when is the order? Because let's say the Lightning, which uh, I think you guys ordered one. Did you guys? You guys? Yeah, it's one. arriving. It's arriving in about three weeks' time. It's been it's been delayed. I mean, that's a good example, right? Our right. Lightning was supposed to be here months ago and has been delayed through no fault of our own. But if it gets beyond December, you know, if it got beyond December, it's... Yes. So you get into this like like stupid game, and we were looking at a a Genesis. So we we need to replace our Model Three. My wife wants another electric car, so we're like, okay, what else out there? I love the Genesis sixty; it's a great car, Mustang Mach-E. And it was like we were literally looking at cars on the weekend, and then this happened, and we're like, ah, funny, we'd like you know nailed the order last weekend, we'd have been fine, and now it's like, can we get it this year? But you can't. But yeah. also the whole American manufacturing thing, Genesis, Genesis, the the tax credit for the Genesis went out the window straight away. That's right. And then suddenly with a price hike, you know, you're looking at a 60 grand car being nearly a 70 grand car. Then you start thinking, well, actually, I mean, the average transaction for a gas car at the moment is about 40 to 45 grand. And for an EV, it's over 60. So if you don't get the tax credit, you know, then you, you kind of, you're going to right. struggle with, right. with trying and the to tax credit you know, could be to adopt. Up to like seventy five hundred bucks, right? Unless there's something local you can add onto it. In California, we've got something local, I think. So maybe you can get like eight grand. Not anymore, I don't think. Maybe I, I guess not. Yeah. But uh, but yes. Yeah, so in a similar boat to you guys at Edmonds, I had the order in for the Lightning, put the hundred dollars down, right? And then at some point, they said, "We just want to make sure you want it. If so, send us another five hundred dollars," which I did, <coughs> right? So now I'm. I, I guess I'm 500 or 600 into it. Was the 500 the order? Because it was still all online. I, you know, did I digitally sign something? When did I place the order? Because now I'm getting the updates from Ford and like, your truck is scheduled to be built. And then they sent me that, by the way, they, it's been built. And then they're like, it's been shipped. And last we checked, it's in Chicago and it's leaving Chicago. And we're supposed to get it in like two weeks. Uh, and I was like... But then I was reading. I was like, I have no idea if we qualify for the tax credit. I was like, did I, did I buy the truck? If you truck? get it like, in what two happened? weeks, I think you're okay, Matt. If you get it, <laughs> if you're getting it delivered before December the 31st on yeah. a Lightning, I think you're good. 
I think I I think so, but you're right. I've read different things, and the translation of those things is is different. So we have a we have a big piece on it, which I don't encourage you. If you just Google like Edmunds EV tax credit or something, oh, we and, spent like a ton of time trying to work our way through this. And also, the tax credit is when you file taxes next year in April. The tax credit, but the new com more complex tax credit for for the EVs you buy I guess let's say after January 1st that that tax credit that discount they're saying could it be applied at the dealer so your your $50,000 you know Fisker could be less than 50 instantly. yeah because in the in the old days it could be baked into a lease but not into a purchase now uh, but also the other thing is I could really bore people on this, but the other the other thing is when you do your tax return, you've got to owe seven and a half grand of taxes. So if you're like in full time employment and you know don't have you know and, and and that's the main source of, and it's all withheld by your company, and then you don't owe seven and a half grand of of additional tax, you're not going to get the credit because you haven't got anything to offset. Yeah, right. Well, this is a matter of principle for me. So I'm going to call my accountant when I get the lightning. I'm going to go, I don't know what it takes on your end on the paperwork side, but I want that full seven and a half grand tax credit. So you tell me how much money I need to make or how much I don't need to make, but <laughs> I, I want to get but that goddamn tax credit. Out your bill to him, to him will be $7,800. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a matter of principle. <laughs> he's going to charge me $500 or he's going to charge me $1,500 to figure out the tax credit. Oh. And, and, and half of that will go back into his pocket anyway, but it's a matter of principle. <laughs> The other thing is, Matt, like how much is you – because the other part of this is – I can't remember what it is for trucks, but there's a there's now a cap on the – when you get the credit. So it's 80 grand for an SUV. I think it's 50 grand for a car. Don't quote me on that. I think I might be wrong on that. But it's about, I know it's 80 grand for an SUV. I can't remember what it is for a truck. So basically, if you buy anything over 80 grand, like a Taycan or something like that, you ain't, you ain't seeing nothing. So the, there's, there's that an, as well. And there's an income – uh, cap a, on, it's a hundred and a hundred and fifty grand if you're a sole income. I think three hundred grand for a household. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, but uh, yeah, a hundred and fifty as a single, a single, a uh, single filer. Yeah, that's the other thing to to keep in mind, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, is there is an income cap to qualify for that. But by the way, you get yourself a fully loaded electric F-150 and you're at $93,000. So, uh, it, you know, you got to, without the tax credits, right? You're like, well, that's a really expensive fucking truck. After taxes, it's a hundred grand. And then you're like, well, now I kind of need the tax credit to bring this cost back down, right? Or, or lease. For or, two reasons, yeah. you, can't, you can't use it. That's right. I may end up getting this goddamn thing and be like, I can't afford it. It's going to end up on bring a trailer in 90 days. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I, I mean, how many people are walking away from from orders that they made a year, year and a half, two years ago of any vehicle because times have changed and, and they're like, well, I, I don't want to take on that, that debt. You know, whether you can afford it or not, maybe you don't want that payment. Yeah, and interest rates have gone up, so your financing—it's just a—it's a. It's a t- I mean, it's a, just a tough time. But if your if your objective is to encourage people, is to encourage EV adoption, then this to me this just seems like a really bad piece of legislation. 
Right. And it's it's too complicated. All right. So yeah. Lucid, you guys got it. Congratulations. Not the <laughs> one you wanted, but you got it anyway. And now you're uh, you're in the office today eager to drive home to, in the Lucid, right? So you can start getting some seat time in that thing, right? Meanwhile, yeah, exactly. at, at Monterey, they, they brought out the Lucid Sapphire, which is their new top-of-the-line version of the Lucid, and it's the bonkers version. Like it's fast as hell. They they painted the roof and gave it darker colors and a bunch of carbon fiber shit and, and it looks badass and they had it out on the track and it's but it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean I do agree. I have to say one thing on the tax credit. I do agree that you shouldn't get a tax credit when you just spent a quarter of a million bucks right. on an EV, right? That that bit I get. That bit I'm in favor of, right? Yeah. I mean I don't think that's gonna be the the make or break selling point. Oh, $248,000 for the Lucid Sapphire. But without that $7,500 credit, I'm out. Hard pass. Yeah. Well, technically, I, I, I just drove the Pininfarina Batista, which is starts at $2.2 million, but actually most are transacting at over three. And that would qualify for the tax credit under the old system. I guess it would. All right. So tell us about that car as well. So this is, a, a, this is their EV supercar. That, why is Pininfarina doing their own car? So, right. so, so the bit to, to wrap your head around is that there are there's Pininfarina, the design company that designed was it sixty seven Ferraris or whatever, and was Ferrari go to guys for you know several decades. That company still exists as a design company, but then there's a there's the the car company is actually a separate entity which is owned by Mahindra. I think Mahindra actually owns both, but it's actually set up as a separate legal entity. Um, and he's Indian owned and they are trying to be a, the long-term vision is to kind of be the sort of Italian Bentley. And this Batista is a statement of intent. It's based on the Rimac. So basically what they've done is get a Rimac chassis, um, and then a chassis and motors and then engineer on this beautiful body and then build their own, you know, and they've also tuned it differently and everything else. So it's, a. It's a really interesting thing. I went and drove it in uh, on Mulholland Highway and met the team and everything else. And this is a showcase what they can do. And then, you know, there'll be um, there'll be more products and more kind of sensibly priced products to come. And it's a really cool thing. I mean, it looks fantastic. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a piece of art. I mean, they're saying, oh, it'll do 300 miles of range and all the rest of it. But then the trunk is, you know, you could basically get a toilet bag in. But, you know, that's it. Um, and also, Bill, like you, I struggle to drive it from a size perspective. You would really struggle. And they were like, oh, it's okay. We can make you like this carbon fiber, like wafer thin seat if you'd get an extra like three inches of legroom. Awesome. Um, For $800,000. <laughs> and it's going to be uncomfortable as shit. Six yeah, like carbon like fiber. You're right, like the center seats and stuff. But but this thing's got 19, actually, it's not, it's 1900 PS, so it's like 1,860 horsepower or something. And I drove it on the road, and they've got different settings, and you've almost got like a, a where it basically keeps turning the horsepower up. And the setting that gives you, I think it's called Energica or something, but it's all Italian names. I think Energica gives you 1500 horsepower. And actually, that was okay. That was quite manageable. And then, <laughs> and I was like, and I, the, the guy, their test driver was sat next to me. And the test driver's ex, ex Lotus, and then he worked for Tesla, and now he's working for Pininfarina. Really interesting guy. And he was like, I was like actually, fifteen hundred horsepower this is okay. Uh, and then we like put it into Furioso, which is like the full bore. Yeah. And then it's basically, uh, it's just it's mind blowing because you got 
1500 you know you've got what almost 2000 horsepower so you've got almost twice an f1 car i mean i'd matter it weighs a lot more it's the fastest thing i've ever driven including an old f1 car and um you know your light everything lights up the traction control comes on and everything just happens so fast and if there's a bump in the road it's it, it was really interesting talking to them because there's a real problem that you know, this car is, these cars have been bought by collectors around the world, Middle East. You know, they were going down to Newport Beach for a big customer event, that kind of thing. There'll be a lot around Car Week as well. And they have to engineer a, a 1,900 horsepower car for collectors who might drive it once or twice a year. Yeah. So it's a really interesting dilemma of how you create something that isn't going to terrify people. And I'm hearing anecdotally a lot of people are trading plaids in because they don't, they're just not getting on with the steering wheel and the crazy power. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, how do you get into that, that Batista, which is basically just a piece of art. I mean, it's beautiful. Right. And it's, you know, people are spending over three million bucks on these things. And it, it's, it's mega. They've also done some really cool stuff. Like it has a little, it has, it makes a specific noise, but it also has like a little vibration. So you touch the bodywork, and it's like it has a little vibration to make you know it, let, let you know it's like it's alive and stuff. <laughs> so there's some really like cool little thinking, and I'm glad it exists. And it was great talking to the team, and you know there's some cool stuff. I'm sure will 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 come out of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was also like 300 miles of range. Yeah, so you can really use it. Apart from the fact it's got no trunk and the interior is tiny. <laughs> But then also, like, where's the guy who spent three million bucks, or girl who spent three million bucks on a on a car, going to go and charge it? Are they going to like turn up at Walmart with a three million dollars hypercar? Yeah. I mean, look, we all love to 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 hear about right. a story in a couple of years from now of the guy that put eighty thousand miles on one of these goddamn things because that would be yeah. that would be a great story to hear. But you're right; it's it's not going to be used that much. But so you you brought up an interesting point, though. It's like, all right, we. We made it fast. We gave it theoretically the range that it needs, but for three million bucks, we need to we need to come up with other cool stuff. You know, like you know, like you're saying, like the body vibrates or something. There's a haptic touch, and like you've got to you got to start because you need to have something more when you're showing it off to your buddies in your garage, right? You know, like this thing is so fast. Oh, that's awesome. We're not going to drive can't, it. can't show you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we can't show you how fast it is. It's traffic outside, and it's wildly dangerous. But So there's got to be other cool shit. Listen, when we first went over to, to Leno's garage a couple of years back, and he just got his McLaren P1, right? Uh, he went over there, and he's like, watch, and you know, watch this. And the wing goes up, and the car goes down, and it gets in this angry track mode. And, and we all watched it do this thing. They were like, that's awesome. And then we moved on to the other cars in his garage as we were going to film something. What's that? has to be part Transformers. Yeah, kind of like what was – you want to show off some of the cool gimmicky stuff while, while, while you're there. Yeah, and their, their, big thing, their big thing was like every car's bespoke. And they won't make two cars the same, even if you even if you ask them to. So you've got to. So you basically sit down with the chief designer, who was a really nice guy. I had, I had dinner with him, ex ex, ex uh, Jaguar Land Rover, um, and he um, he will basically sit down and bespoke a car for you. So you create this vision of of your own car, and obviously they'll say, "Oh well, if you want that carbon fiber there, so that's an extra you know million bucks or whatever it may be." Um, so I guess that's their big sell is this kind of couture uh, that you will turn, you know, you will yeah. have your thing and only you will own that thing. Well, um, you would have to do it that way because if they're a coach built 
car, and it's basically the Rimac that they're tweaking. And there's there's not a lot of the conversation going, I want 3,000 horsepower instead of 2,000. That's when they're going to be like, we don't do that. Yeah. Right? That's a that's a Rimac issue now, not not a Pininfarina issue. Yeah, and the big thing is like everything's made with proper materials, nothing's plastic and you know even like the the Pininfarina badge is all sort of crafted from, you know, it's machined and everything else rather than plastic and but you know that level of the market and if it's all hand built you can do that. But you know, mm-hmm. it'd be really interesting to see how they how they take the brand forward and how they, you know, they start to introduce kind of more real world cars. I mean, it's still going to be, it's going to still going to be luxury. It's still going to be electric, but it's going to be more akin to a sort of Bentley, Bentley level of the market. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's a big opportunity there. They're headquartered in Munich. They've got a facility in Turin. So they, you know, they're very kind of wedded to being Italian and, you know, I actually know the know the guy who's the chief brand. who's a lovely guy, and he, you know, they uh, have a chat with him about it. It's a great adventure. It must be a really fun place to work. Challenging, but fun. Yeah, right. All right. So, talk about more affordable supercars. You're 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 waiting to get into the Corvette Z06. That's happening soon. You guys going to f- create a, a film for that? What's the plan? Yeah, with we're looking at that. That's um, there's an event happening in up in Pittsburgh in a couple of a uh, couple of weeks' time, which I shamelessly put my hand up for. <laughs> um, so I think we're driving that third week of September. I think it is because there's the there's the Detroit Auto Show, um, and then I yeah. think it's the week after. I think it's the week after that. I, I'm so and fascinated with this car. So. Yeah, I'm fascinated with the Z06. I, I like everything that it it, it represents. Um, I, I'm not quite sure what happened with the whole like ordering process and how you got the cars and whatever, but it just seemed like for a second they were kind of doing what Ford and Fisker and Tesla and everyone's doing. They're like, come to the website, sign up. We'll keep you in the loop. We'll let you know when order books open. I did all of that, and then I never heard from anything again, and now people are like, we got a Z06 being delivered soon, and you know, like I, I don't know what happened to the ordering process. Maybe, maybe they were like, maybe the email went to spam or something, or where they were supposed to go to the dealer and place the order. I have no idea, but I never heard anything. Sign up for that that list, didn't hear anything. So, um, I don't know if it's they got sort of a wacky ordering process on this car or not. Did you guys order well, one? You, no, we didn't order one. No, we still got the C8, but uh, couldn't really justify a. Uh, a, a Z06, but I, I mean, it's I, I've got I've got high hopes for that that flat plane crank and everything else. Um, and, it, and these cars have to now be about, you know, we're talking about like pinning friends and two thousand horsepower and stuff. This is not about like ultimate horsepower. This is about like how it feels and how it sounds and everything else. Well, and I, I agree. I think it's going to be a bit of a thing. There's been so many delays with the Z06 that we're already reading all the hype on hybrid versions and maybe something even more than that, and that's going to be even faster. And I'm like. Okay, but I'm still like, uh, but yeah, I'd like to. I'm down with the gas engine, flat plane crank, high RPM, which we we did get to see a little glimpse glimpse of it. So you know, G- GM Chevrolet, they have a long relationship with Barrett Jackson, and uh, I, you know, our our company Bravago, we 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 sponsored a. A, a private party for Craig Jackson and some of his VIPs. And there was, and they were going to do the VIN number one Z06 was going to be auctioned off uh, soon after that. So they had it there at the event and fired it up for us and, you know, got to hear it and get around it and peek in it. And, you know, and I didn't sit in it, but some of the people got in it. And so, you know, yeah, back in January, we, 
we got in person get to hear this thing and you're like this thing's fucking cool <laughs> you know like it's 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 kind of the right recipe that i i don't know that we're kind of grasping onto with the last of these these gas powered vehicles so i yeah I'm yeah a, i agree it's like it's like the gt4 rs and things like that that porsche's doing and you know the new gt3 rs looks insane as well you know everybody's like throwing the kitchen sink at this stuff and yeah it's exciting i'm really i'm really excited to go and drive it yeah. i think it's going to be a cool thing like a- every car company right now is like at least they're getting a little bit of freedom somebody somebody smart enough to know car enthusiasts are at dodge and ford and porsche and and they're all going this gas engine thing isn't going to last or maybe it'll come back someday but Go ahead and get me something as bonkers. All you got to do is pass emissions, <laughs> right? Because now they're like, well, it'll sell. It'll sell because it's going to be limited production and we might not be able to ever do this again. So give me the craziest thing you guys can come up with. And as long as it passes emissions, we'll be good to go. <laughs> that seems to be the directive, right? This sort of the the, the halo for for these brands. What a wonderful time to be alive. Are you, right, as we're all trying to run out and afford to buy these goddamn things because we think yeah. we'll never get them again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but but it's also saying the engineers who just spent 40 years developing gas engines. Oh, and by the way, you're out of a job next week. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna do a lateral shift. You better you. be get you better get good at electrical engineering pretty quickly. Pretty quickly, yeah. They're, they're gonna have a a, a a continuing education school program. They're gonna have a bunch of fifty year olds <laughs> back in school. They better fix. They better fix the infrastructure immediately. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a that's another discussion for sure. All right. So, um, Lightning, you guys did a, a tow test on it. We know you guys have driven it. Everybody's a fan of the Lightning. We're hoping it's going to end up being as cool as we think it is. Uh, some of them are starting to get delivered, but everyone is kind of saying, I guess, they're like, eh, you can't really tow with it. Like, you don't really get range yeah, we, anymore. It, it, I, I don't want to say too much because we we're actually working. We did a tow test and we're working on the film and it's probably going to come out in a, uh, two or three weeks' time. Um, so I don't want to give the game away too much. Maybe I'll come back on when we go live with it. But it's we actually did better than we expected, which, which was because our expectations was pretty low. Um, in terms of what we've seen and you know the initial stuff that we did and it's just stuff that others have done. But we actually came out of it better than we anticipated. And I've actually got a conversation this afternoon with some of the Ford engineers to try and dig into why a little bit. Um, and this is not to sort of just get their take, but we, we, we've crunched the data and we're a little bit surprised by it, how well it did. Um, so we're actually having a conversation this afternoon to just to understand you know their perspective on it. And I think from what I understand and what I've read and talked to to others a lot of these things is how you set them up that they're a little bit more susceptible to what mode you're in how you've got the trailer attached everything else um and then obviously there's sort of aero issues and what have you but it's uh it was a it's a really it was a really big deal for us it was a really long day um and we had a whole bunch of trucks and stuff so there's a big piece coming out on it but really interesting and as bill says it's actually it's a bit of a product story but it's mainly becomes an infrastructure story as well like how do you how do you if you're going to tow a race car or you're going to tow a trailer like how far can you go and you know what happens when you need more juice and how long is that going to take and you know and that's the that's the that's the tough thing with it because actually as a as a product it's fantastic it's just how do you you know how do you maintain it well and yeah and if you are towing even a, a short 
trip. You're going from Hill- here to Willow Springs, right? And you're going to tow your, your race car up there. And let's say you, you do need to stop and charge at some point. Is there a charging station that can fit a truck and trailer? Well, to give not to give the game away, we we one of the challenges we had, we were in got into Mojave with it, and the car tried the truck tried to take us to a fifty kilowatt charger. Now this thing's got like a one thirty kilowatt battery, so including the like the ramp up and the slowdown, it's like well we're going to be sat here for three hours. This ain't going to work. So then we got the phone, got the Google out, managed to find a three fifty charger, turned up. Some of the guy was charging an Ionic five, couldn't get in with a trailer. And then the first two we tried didn't work, so we had to wait for the guy with the Hyundai to leave, plugged it in there, took the trailer off, put the trailer back on. So basically, there's a two-hour window between, right, we need to charge now, and we need to get back on the highway. And it was just flapping around. Yeah, it was just – it's just – it's not working. And then I, I'm i sure you guys are probably digging into the statistics on this, but uh, we're starting to hear more and more about – uh, the charging stations that these these companies um, I I don't know all the the names of the companies right now but how many of them don't work they're just out of order they're just not working so and when they're not working there's sort of this this flaw this this miscommunication between the app going hey there's seven chargers and one's available but you get there and that one's fucking broken so that's why it's available right so. There, there's that issue as well, especially if you're, you know, you're milking the mileage out of this thing to get to that charger and you see it's available and you're, you know, in the mall somewhere. You're screwed. Yeah. And you get there and you're like, oh, well, there is a car there and it didn't show up on my app or the goddamn thing doesn't work. There's, it's got to be a, a, a pretty large percentage. If I had to guess, 25% of the chargers that are popping up on these apps or saying where they are don't work. I would be surprised yeah, we, if it's we, less than a, something like that. We've had a ton of ton of problems with it, and actually, when we'd finished the tow test, we had another problem trying to trying to recharge it. Um, and then also, what's a fast charger? Because a fifty kilowatt is not a fast charger. You need one fifty minimum. And you know, I turned up. I took our Rivian to the Palm Springs outlet miles for my sins, <laughs> and I happened to pull up as some Taycan pulled out. And I pulled straight in. It was great. And it took like an hour to re, uh, recharge the thing. But then all four, all four slots were full. Three other people had dis- other people had just disappeared shopping. So some poor lady turned up in an ID4 Volkswagen and just sat there for forty five minutes waiting for me to move. And this was a three fifty kilowatt. So it's there's there's yeah, huge problems. I, I mean, still. not your fault, not her fault, but that's the infrastructure. That's where we are. She has to sit there and wait for you to finish something before. And then if she you know, may lose that spot. But also, this is a different issue. This is more of a, a humanity issue. But I just drove through Santa Monica's mall and everyone was looking for spots to park. And there was definitely spots up higher because we found them. Um, and, and yeah, some dude took his Dodge Charger and just backed that shit right into the EV plugging station, walked away. Like five other electric cars all plugged in there. And this guy's just like, I'm backing it in. I'm just, that's it. Walked away, didn't plug. Obviously, nothing to plug in. It's just like, this is the spot I want. I was like, one level up, there's 30 spots available. And the guy was like, eh, too high for me. I didn't want to go those extra nine steps. <laughs> it's like, yeah. so there's a little bit of that as well. That I listen, I will tell you this don't do that move. If you like your car, don't do that move. I certainly wouldn't do anything to anybody's car, 
maybe leave a little note on the windshield going, good luck charging this thing in the future. But people are going to hurt your car. I'd poop on it. Right? People are going to hurt your car. And and yes, now shitting on the hood would be hilarious. <laughs> and I would much rather do that than key the car. I don't want to really hurt. Take the vehicles out of the equation. People are rude to begin with. That's right. right. So, yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate and, part of today's society. It just is what it is. Human nature is bad. <laughs> discuss. Yeah. It is, it's bad. It's bad. Nasty, bad. nasty, brutish, and short. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, uh, we just got a couple minutes left. I just want to touch on um, uh, some of the other stuff. So we had the Civic Type R, which, uh, you know, is is the R worth it on on the Civic? Um, the new Civic looks good. There's the Type R. And you mentioned the Blazer EV. I think you mentioned that the last time you were on. We were getting some feedback on that. But, um, yeah, give us some thoughts on that. I'm sure there's a, a video or something you can plug as well. But, um yeah, yeah, you've, you've you've shamelessly plugged the drinks brand, so I'll shamelessly plug the uh, Edmunds YouTube channel. Um, yeah, we have uh, the Civic Type R and video and the uh, Blazer EV on there. Um, which Civic Type R looks good for me. It's a bit less kind of in your face boy racer than the old one, but uh, you know, it'll be three hundred horsepower plus. Uh, you know, manual box. It looks cool. I, I thought it was a nice thing, and we're not driving it just yet, but I think we're driving it before the year's out. Um, and then the Chevy Blazer EV is is a kind of Mackey rival. The only thing I don't get about that, it's huge. It's really big, really wide, um, you know, really interesting, some interesting tech, big screens, that sort of thing. A um, lot of carryover with the Silverado EV that's coming as well. The only thing I get, it's going to be expensive, and the Blazer nameplate is attached to a fairly mediocre gas-powered car. So that's the only bit I didn't understand that, you know, is the real heritage. And also the Blazer, this is not a Blazer as we understand it, like a Bronco. This is a another kind of, you know, EV, SUV that will go really fast and uh, look quite cool, but be quite expensive. So it, it, it'll be an interesting thing, but, you know, the market is starting to flood with, $60,000 EV SUVs. Yeah, I just everything's just so expensive now and and oh, I mean I mean we were just talking just like well the cars it's like everything's 40,000 bucks. It just seems like everything's right around that mark and then before you get into EV. Yeah, right? and if you're, you know, it's suddenly 60, 70,000 bucks especially if you don't get the EV tax credit. It's like a you know, you you wonder at what point the market's saturated at that kind of level. Right, and then as interest rates go up, and then you know that payment becomes more expensive if if that's what you're doing, and then so we start to roll out longer, longer loans and stuff. But uh, we're not even sure about the the how long we want to keep or should be keeping EVs, right? If that's yeah. you know, like, are we going to do eighty four month loans on an EV? Do we do we want to keep it that long? Is it going to is it going to work that long? Like you said, there's so many that are new. <laughs> that yeah, I mean, my own view on that because I was I was actually going through that as a real consumer that we want another EV after Tesla and like we leased an i3, leased a Tesla. Actually, we regret leasing the the Tesla because it's now worth what I paid what I would have paid for it. So all I've done is basically pay Tesla twenty grand, and they won't let me buy out the lease. 
Uh, not that it's pissing me off. Um, and then um, <laughs> it's come up like three times, like three I'm, three months in a row. We've been talking about the, uh, the no buyback. Yeah. I'm so pleased that I'm lining Elon's pockets. Uh, and then, yeah, so I'm actually looking to buy one this time. And then, you know, because I think the technology, this is a more of a personal view, but I think the technology has advanced to such a place where you can keep them longer now. It's not like we've suddenly, you know, like three or four years ago, it was like 130-mile range, and now it's 300. If you buy a, a Mackie with an extended range battery, you're going to get close to 300 miles of range, and that's probably okay. You know, in five years' time, that's still going to be okay. So I, I think the times come where you can hang on, you can hang on to them and, and that sort of thing. But the other thing is, like, I had this i3. When I chopped it in at the end of the lease, BMW were like, oh, we're just going to wholesale this thing. It's basically worthless. Nobody wants them. They're now like 40 grand. Yeah, that's what I was going to say I mean, is, is as we're getting into sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollar 80000 EVs are commonplace, yes, the used ones for, for 40 grand are going to end up being the market, right? People are going to be start going, oh, I need to get – I want to get something. I want this Blazer. I want this Tesla. Uh, but I need to find one that's three years old. Yeah, and if there's still supply issues in the market going forward for maybe another year or so, you know, in three or four years' time, the residual value should still hold up fairly strong. I think so. Right, it won't last forever, uh, but as as we continue to have supply chain issues, the used car market is going to be a hot market. It's yeah. going to be it's going to be. Pricey. And if you think about it, the other interesting thing is people aren't leasing in the same way. You know, you're not going to have that supply of nearly new vehicles coming through. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe people keep them longer because they're paying more, so they they extend the loan. And yeah, it's a weird market for sure. But yeah, you look at the. I mean, I was looking at the like the Mackie and just looking at the price. Suddenly, with the jumps, it's like, yeah, it's a ton of money. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, we hope you get one just so we can hear you say Mackie all the time. <laughs> um. All right, guys. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. We're going to do another show in here in a minute. But uh, as always, thank you, Alistair. It's always a pleasure. We'll have you on again soon. Um, I can't wait to hear more about that Z06 and the Lucid after you get a little bit of seat time in it. I'm sure you guys will have some great videos coming out on it. Of course, the website is edmunds.com. You guys want to check that out. Um, the, The stories are great. The reviews are great. The thoughts, the opinions, the videos all good stuff. So we appreciate what you there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So any other thoughts, guys? Anything else? I got to go hook up the toilet. <laughs> I going to hook up the toilet. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCastShow. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. 
It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Saddle up and get ready for Westerns Weeks on Pluto TV. All for free. We're coming in blazing with favorites like True Grit and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Or immerse yourself in binge-worthy series like Yellowstone and Walker, Texas Ranger. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies, TV shows, and more. The best part? It's free. No credit card, no sign-up, no fees. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming now.